here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Wednesday edition of the show. We're going to do a mock draft. It's December mock draft day here on this podcast, and it's also Troy Palomalu Appreciation Day. Troy! Famer. Yeah. The GOAT! Uh, I think, you know what my favorite Troy Palomalu play is? What's that? Every single one of them, because he's the greatest football <laughs> player in the history of the NFL. What a forbid- forgettable jersey number he had, though, huh? I'll say. 43. 43. Yeah. Could, well, couldn't remember it? We'll never forget it again. No. Based on the feedback that we got yesterday <laughs> on the show when Joe brings a list and says, there's been three positions. I've looked over this list 50 times, three no- or three numbers that have never had a Hall of Famer, 43, 90, and 69. And we said, wow, that's pretty crazy. 43, what a terrible number. Can't believe nobody's ever had that. And then about 10 million of you... <laughs> texted me, emailed me, DM'd me, tweeted me. How could you forget Troy Palomalu? The disrespect. And it was disrespectful on our part. Well, but I take zero responsibility no, for it. No, you are you were there. You had the same opportunity to remember that Troy Palomalu. You Palomalo- were the one that looked over the list 50 times. What I had was a list of 0 to 99 of each Hall of Famer that wore that number in the NFL. You and had all I, infinitely more time to process the list than I did. I was hearing no. it verbally. I didn't even have a chance to look the, at the list. The list didn't have Troy Palomalu's name it on there. It doesn't matter. No, I, re, I, re, I, I am disappointed in the lack of responsibility you're taking in this. Are you surprised, though? No, but it's... Okay. Then <laughs> what are we doing here? Then? I, I, you know, I thought maybe we've been working on you, you know, and that you turned a corner, but... Oh, I've turned a lot of corners, but this isn't one of them. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? The the truth is that uh, we still don't have a Hall of Famer with number 43. That should change very soon. And um, it's funny because all of those numbers will be filled very soon with Jared Allen, Julius Peppers, and Troy Palomalu. And then and we will have all the numbers filled. Then it's done. Yeah. What's then not done, done is the, <laughs> the December mock draft, which we need to start right now. We're doing it live on the fly. We don't know who the picks are going to be. We're doing the top 16 picks today. I have odds. Kyle has evens and and uh hopefully we can make you happy uh but we know how mock drafts go they don't make yeah, everyone happy so. gonna make anybody happy here let's we just open ourselves up for the heat uh, but here we go I, give us the the chant there kyle dun 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 the first overall pick in the december draft okay all right anyways th- i can't get weird like that the cincinnati Bengals. Get into character. The Cincinnati Bengals are up on the clock here. Number one overall. Chase uh, Young. No, no. Chase Young. No. Draft Chase Young. No. Chase Young doesn't play quarterback, and that's the problem here because I need a quarterback, Uh, and I've got one that's worth the pick here. Joe Burrow, perfect for Zach Taylor's offense. Give me that quarterback to build this team around. That damn you. Yeah. 
So Joe Burrow going one of the Bengals, no-brainer, right? See. Also a no-brainer at two. Uh, we want to give a little bit of analysis here, but we do want to keep this line moving at least somewhat. So uh, the New York Giants are on the clock at two, and with Joe Burrow gone, the best available player is still on the board. The best available player is a fringe generational talent. I know that's that trigger phrase that everybody gets real mad when people start using, but you don't often get guys who play defensive end get invited to New York for the Heisman ceremony, and that's a testament to how good Chase Young has been this year. Chase Young plays a position of need for the New York Giants. As an outside pass rusher, Dave Gettleman has invested in a bunch of defensive tackles, bunch of pocket pushers, but nobody just to force him to step up into the pocket. So let's draft Chase Young. We can play him off the edge. We can play him in the B-gap in long, third and long passing situations. And he's an impact starter for the Giants and the best available player. Two years ago, the Giants did the same thing when they took the best available player in Saquon Barkley. Forget the fact that Gettleman hasn't taken an edge rusher in the first round. He's taken best available player at two before. I got the Washington Redskins at three. And I, I want to go offensive tackle here. And Kyle, would you blink of eye, blink an eye if I said any one of Worf's, Thomas, or Jedrick Wills? No, I would isn't not. That kind, isn't that kind of crazy? Number three overall. I've got three offensive tackles that nobody would think would be ridiculous for me to mock right here. So, all right, let's keep that in mind. Let's Now I'm going to put on my predictive hat. Which one will the Washington Redskins want to have? Uh, <laughs> I don't know who their coach is going to be. Maybe that'll influence things. Um, they like Alabama players, don't they? Mm-hmm. That's kind of been their thing, mostly on defense. Let's have some fun here. Let's keep that trend going. Jedrick oh. Wills, huh? offensive tackle, Alabama, to the Washington Redskins, keeping that pipeline open from uh, Tuscaloosa to D.C., Oh my goodness, Joe. Yeah. Let's get weird. I love it. Uh, you know I'm a big Jedrick Will stand, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm here for here for that pick all day long. Anyone uh, who's watched this tape should be a Jedrick Will stand. Yes, it's very true. Uh the Miami Dolphins are on the clock at four. Joe, did you hear what Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston had to say on Rich Eisen's show on Monday? No. He's speculating uh, that Tom Brady might not play in New England starting next year. And his tabbed, predictive, speculative destination for Tom Brady is Miami. Come on. For Chad O'Shea? Chad O'Shea. Would you even want that? Would you want that? Jerry Shaplinski is the quarterback's coach who was in New England for a really long time. But would you want that? <sighs> I wanted Peyton Manning. Different scenario. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I, I really think about the Dolphins, and I, and I know they love Tua. But the reason why I brought that up is like, I'm kind of opening my mind to the possibility that the Dolphins don't draft the quarterback with the fourth pick. I think about you know, the, the many needs that this team has. I think about if this team wants to 
kick quarterback down the road a little bit, they're going to have the opportunity to do so. I think they're going to have between Ryan Fitzpatrick, if by an act of the football gods that I cannot even begin to comprehend, it's Tom Brady. You know what I mean? I, I consider some of these other alternatives versus Tua, and then you think about Tua and his injury and the concerns that are going to be there with longevity and durability and everything else that's going on. And I think you can make a really strong case for Miami going a different direction. And for the (laughs) sake of a December mock draft, which let's be honest, we're not being predictive at this point. We're trying to put together puzzle pieces that make sense and have some thought and logic behind it. I'm not going to pick Tua to the Dolphins at four, which then takes me and and has me beg the question. What are the other options? So I've got offensive tackle with Tristan Wirfs and Andrew Thomas. I've got cornerback with Jeff Akuda. I've got defensive line with Derek Brown, who is arguably best player available at this point in the draft. And then I've got a hybrid defender in Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker from Clemson, who can play safety and linebacker. I can get really excited about a potential cornerback duo of Xavier Howard and Jeff Akuda. Xavier Howard's had the knee troubles. They put him on IR. They said, we're not going to waste any of you in a a lost season in 2019. You're on IR. Done. He played like four games this year. But one of the best ball hawking corners in football. Give me Jeff Akuda on the other side here to make this really interesting. Brian Flores, defensive-minded coach. Right now, their other starting corner is Nick Needham. UDFA from uh, UTEP, who's had some nice moments this year. But, Joe, what do we say on this podcast? Don't let a good player prevent you from drafting a great one. And there's no such thing as too many corners. Give me Jeff Akuda, Dolphins at four. If Tua declared for the draft next week, how would that influence the pick you just made? I don't think it would in this this scenario. Because I'm I'm trying to... play out a scenario in which the Dolphins are apprehensive about the long-term viability of two as an NFL quarterback. All right. All right. I got the Detroit lions at number five. Lions fans are often not happy with the picks you make for them. Mm. Good luck. I know who I'm taking. Well, there's not a lack of good players. It's trying to figure out which one the least amount of Lions fans will yell at me for. Well, don't make it based on them. (laughs) All right. Um, Here's here's a quote for you. Okay. And it's from my favorite show, Rick and Morty. Oh, God. Okay. Your your booze mean nothing. I've seen what makes you cheer. Ooh. You're dumb. All right, Detroit. So don't pick it for them. Pick it for you. <laughs> All right. I'm going to pick it for me. I feel like they need help on defense, right? Mm-hmm. My, I mean, I like Derek Brown. I like Isaiah Simmons. Those are probably the two players I'm thinking, be, picking between. I, we, we mocked them Epinesa. I think a couple of our staff members did recently, and Lions fans liked that pick. They did. Yeah. They did. 
but I can't pick Epinesa over either one of those two guys. They're not. As, he's not as good of a prospect unless you ask Ben Solak, who has him at number two overall. All right, I am going to give the Detroit Lions Derek Brown defensive oh, tackle from Auburn. Uh, I think he's the best defensive prospect available right now. Uh, he's explosive pass rusher, dominant run defender. He kicks ass for four quarters, plays with great energy. Could not imagine him not being a high-impact defensive tackle. Give me the Browns. They're, the Lions get Derek Brown. Shocker. All right. Well, Arizona Cardinals are on the clock at six. My analysis for this one is going to be a lot more direct, Joe. Cardinals last year invested in their quarterback of the future, in Kyler Murray. And now you need to surround him with the best possible support system out there. And I think the Arizona Cardinals cannot afford to continue glossing over the offensive line, the ways in which they have. Give me my next best available offensive tackle, who just so happens to be a top 10 prospect. Give me Iowa's Tristan Wirfs. You can play him on the left. You can play him on the right. I really don't care what side he plays. He's an upgrade, and he's going to help protect Kyler Murray, help keep him on the football field, and keep him upright. Tristan Wirfs to the Cardinals. I got the Jaguars at number seven. Uh, we've got some really good wide receivers we could we can give them, and I'm sure that would be nice to have another explosive weapon. I, I think about Isaiah Simmons here. Um I think that this is a situation for Jacksonville where they probably want to add a linebacker and a receiver. The depth at receiver in this draft is very good. And the Jaguars have another first round pick and they have a, a second round, you know, second round day two picks that they can get a good receiver mm-hmm. prospect. I don't think you're going to get anything like Isaiah Simmons later in the draft. Go ahead and give me LB one Isaiah Simmons, number seven overall, give you that uh, Swiss army knife on defense and, and really help make up for what you lost with Telvin Smith being gone. I got to be honest, I almost took him at four. <laughs> I was really, really close. Uh, this is a nightmare scenario playing out for the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah, Because we've seen Isaiah Simmons come off the board. We've seen Derek Brown come off the board. We've seen Jeff Akuda come off the board. Yeah, you feel like at number eight, they'd love to get any one of those three, and they're not, they don't have them. And none of them are on the table. So you're the Atlanta Falcons, and right now, TDN has their three primary needs listed at edge, corner, and linebacker. I, I don't hate the fit of Epinesa here because I think he's different than what Atlanta really has with a lot of their edge guys. You know, so much of their team is predicated on speed. And I'm not going to say Epines is a slow player, but he's more of a power player than he is uh, somebody who wins with speed and first step a lot. But maybe that's maybe that's a component that this, this team needs a little bit more of. You think about Tack McKinley uh, as a guy who rushes with his hand in the dirt and he was a guy who won with first step and speed off the edge at UCLA and has had some success at the NFL level. But I like the the idea of a power component on the opposite side of that. So give me Epinesa to the Falcons at eight as kind of a blend of position of need with uh, good value at this point in the draft with the eighth overall pick. 
Yeah, I can get behind that. It'll be interesting to see who their coach is next year. But, I mean, Epinesa yeah. is intriguing, really, in either scheme. Uh, I've got the New York Jets here at number nine. This is an easy pick for me. Um, well, it's not – I do think about a receiver, but I've got to get uh, an offensive lineman here to help Sam Darnold out. Uh, both of their tackles, their starting tackles, are free agents. Neither one of them are worth bringing back. And you've got to get uh, your your front five fortified in front of Sam Darnold. Give me Andrew Thomas, uh, the offensive tackle from Georgia, to be that blindside protector. Give me that Debrickashaw Ferguson 2.0 uh, to get his his run going here in New York. I like it a lot. Uh, so the L.A. Chargers are on the clock at 10, and this is a sensible quarterback spot, Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think about Tua originally from – his family is originally from Samoa, but he is from Hawaii and uh, West Coast, can kind of get back to that kind of lifestyle. I think that is an attractive – Pairing for Tua as far as uh, personnel goes, you think about Alabama with with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Uh, not the best fit as far as where Tua won in 2019, which was a lot of rack, a lot of opportunities to hit guys and create explosive plays. Uh, with West Coast offense, but two I think has enough experience in when you overlap his 2018 with his 2019. You get the West Coast offense. You also get more of the vertical components into uh, his film resume, and he's shown high aptitude in all of those things. Give me Tua here to the Chargers to prevent a big time slide. Uh, I just think Tua is too good to let fall too far in the draft, and I think he's got the experience needed to fit into any kind of offensive system. We've got the Denver Broncos at 11 and man, we haven't had a receiver go off the board. And and so they, I, to me, the opportunity to get the best receiver available should be really exciting. They've have Cortland Sutton uh, and he's really developed as a, a, you know, top receiver for them, but that's about it. Right. Tim Patrick's been like their number two, they traded Emmanuel Sanders. And so, uh, Drew Locke is really starting to come on here. He's had a couple of good starts and, and shown some promise. Let's make sure we get him some receivers. Now, I, I know they have needs on the offensive line, but I, I just I mean, we've had three offensive tackles go. I don't like the value at interior offensive line quite yet right now, especially when I can get wide receiver the top one. And I mean, really picking between Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb is like a crazy proposition. Um, I... <laughs> I could go either way, man, but I think I think you get that that alpha size dynamic in uh, a Cortland Sutton where you can take that really dynamic route runner in uh, Jerry Judy. Not saying that Lamb isn't, but I think you get a slightly more explosive player in Judy. So I'm going to go that direction and yeah. make sure that Drew Locke has a couple of really nice weapons. Uh, and, and you combine that with Noah Fant and those running backs. I mean, you've got a really nice infrastructure. Get you some offensive linemen for Mike Munchak to work with, and this offense could be humming. Yeah, speaking – how about Noah Fant, man? Starting to come on a bit, He's yeah. He's really coming on looking good, uh, yep. which is good for the brand. I'm here for that. Uh, Carolina Panthers at 12. Do it, oh, Kyle. Team. Do it. Do it. What do, you, what do you want me to do? I'm not telling you until Draft after. Draft a quarterback? Who's going to play quarterback for this team? They're going to trade Cam Newton? You can't roll with Kyle Allen? You got Justin Herbert right on the board? Listen. 
Carolina is going to trade Cam if they get market value for him as far as what they perceive market value to be. Are you going to extend him? You don't want to take a quarterback here. I can feel it. It, it. Listen, if I didn't want to take a quarterback, if I wanted to create a favorable quarterback situation, I wouldn't have just taken one to the Chargers at 10. It has nothing to do with that. I'm thinking about, will Carolina get what they want for Cam Newton? And I don't think the answer is yes. I think think market value for Cam Newton is a two and a conditional pick the following year. The Vikings, or the Eagles got a first round pick for Sam Bradford. Right. So you need to give Carolina first round value but I don't think any team for a 30-year-old quarterback with shoulder and foot problems is going to give you a straight-up a first-round pick. They're going to give you a two, and they're going to give you a conditional three that can upgrade to a two, depending yeah. on what Cam's performance on the field in 2020 is. I don't think Carolina does the deal for that. All right, so there, you're, you're saying, all right, in this scenario, your mentality is Cam's going to play quarterback next year. Yes, I think he will. And if will. not, Kyle Allen will be there and Will Greer. Will Greer's on the roster, I think. Little known fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, what a weird pick. They just refused to let him play. Like, nah. Did you see him in preseason? <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, at what point do you just let him play, right? Like, just see well, what not, happens. They're not, they're not trying to get him killed. <laughs> oh, but God. if you let him play, that's what, I mean, he, he was not good. Um, so Carolina, I'm, I'm looking in the secondary for this team. I know this team has, uh, some evolving needs up front on the offensive line. Uh, believe this team just extended Shaq Thompson, right? Yeah. He got nice so, money. Yeah. So it kind of mitigated the, the urgency to address the linebacker position, the, the secondary linebacker positions outside of Luke Keekley. Uh, I think the best fit and best available player is if you can get Grant Delpit's tackling right, he brings you so much in versatility as far as what he can do in the box, what he can do in deep portions of the field, what he can do in man-to-man coverage in the slot. Give me Grant Delpit as kind of that fix at safety that Carolina's needed and has used a lot of short-term stop gaps to try and plug over the course of the last couple of years. Uh Am I still here? Am I still here? Check, check. Yeah, right, yeah, here we yeah. Go, here we go. still here. All right. Uh, a mutual friend, Brett Whitefield of PFF, him and I talked about Grant Delpit recently, and he called him Delpeet. Delpeet. <laughs> <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking yeah. about that the entire time you were talking about Grant Delpit. That, There's no way like, it's Delpeet. No way. That's that's like you and uh, the Citadel. Right. As they pronounce it in Game of Thrones. That was a great <laughs> affirmation of my pronunciation. <laughs> You know, your barometer is Game of Thrones. You're doing it wrong. Do you know what happened to me, though? I'm, I don't want to go off too big of a tangent here, but uh, I watched uh, we had Elf on my wife and I. And yeah, just watched that the other day. Well, when Tyrion came in to the room <laughs> to present his book uh, pitch for uh, Greenway, it was a very difficult moment for me to take uh, take that moment seriously, because that is now Tyrion in my world. Um, so. It's weird. He's one of those characters that like, you know, there's yeah. like a 
certain actors that you just they're always going to be that person for you. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's like the that's that career defining role <laughs> that you'll never be anything else. Right. So that's me and Tyrion. I don't know. that. I don't know his name, but honestly, that, that it's uh, Peter Dinklage. Oh, okay. That's that's going to be every single actor that was a prominent character. Game of Thrones. They'll right. never be anything else for me. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Um, and I haven't I don't watch much TV. So if they do sprinkle into some roles, I, my wife wants to see Amelia Clark has a Christmas movie coming out. So yeah. I guess we'll be seeing that. But that's going to be Daenerys the whole time. So it's going to be really weird. I'm guessing it's the the breaker of chains falls in love working at a Christmas store. Right. Yeah. It's going to be quite the dynamic. (laughs) All right. So the, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, to me, this is might be the easiest pick so far. Uh, this wide receiver situation is crumbling right before our eyes, right? I mean, guys are hurt. Uh, Nelson Aguilar needs to go and there's not a lot of options. I know JJ or Sega Whiteside, uh, made a couple plays against the giants, but like we've got to get these receivers, right? And I know they have a big need at corner, but CeeDee Lamb, brother? Huh. How do you, I mean, how does he go any further in this draft order? Like, right. he, can't, he just right. can't. There's, I mean, at this point, there's some teams that are like behind them that should be like trying to get up because CeeDee Lamb <laughs> should go much higher. So we're going to give uh, Carson Wentz CeeDee Lamb and good God. You think about the, the possibilities with those tight ends and CeeDee Lamb and if JJ Arcega Whiteside develops, who knows what Alshon Jeffrey's future is. But man, that, I think CeeDee Lamb's so special. So there you go. Well, That's an easy pick for me. If he wasn't going to go at 13, he was going to go at 14 to the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> so the slide does not last any longer than one additional spot if you were not going to take CD uh, at 13 to the Eagles. At 14, the Raiders are on the clock. We are going to take another wide receiver. We got a nice little run here with three of the next four or three of the last four picks being wide receivers. This is Henry Ruggs. Uh, Oakland had brought in Antonio Brown, planning on him for being the focal point of their passing offense and a volume receiver. And AB does so many things well, uh, but he has speed components to his game, short area quickness, run after catch ability. And when he was gone, Oakland lost a lot of that appeal in their wide receiver room. And I think Henry Ruggs can bring it back. I'm not comparing him to Antonio Brown, but I'm saying his style of play can fill the void with some of the things that they were going to bank on Antonio Brown to do. So give me Henry Ruggs at 14 to the Raiders. Good pick. All right, I've got the Colts here at number 15. I'd love to give them Javon Kinlaw, um, but I've got two quarterbacks here that are really interesting. Justin Herbert's available. Jordan Love's been available. We've been kind of hearing some rumblings about Jordan Love being a Colts target like going into the season. So you got to think about that. But don't you think that Frank Wright kind of maybe sees a little bit of Carson Wentz and Justin Herbert? Oh, I could see that. You know, like not not that that's a slam dunk comp, but like physically very similar. I mean, might want to replicate some of that Philadelphia stuff uh, that he had going there. And and I, I mean, Herbert's a better prospect than Love. I don't know if that's a hot take or if you agree with me, but I think it's true. Give me give me Frank Reich married up to Justin Herbert as the the future here at quarterback. And I think we, we've seen that J- Jacoby Brissett's capable and he can do some good things. But I think you're you're always going to be searching and wondering if you if you could upgrade and uh, we're not going to get ourselves in that spot. We'll go ahead and get an answer here in Justin Herbert. Yeah, Herbert's definitely much more toolsy than than Brissett as far as I'm concerned, as far as. Uh, physical skills that he brings to the table. Uh, 
you have to trust your coaching to be able to draw out the best in Herbert. And that's seems to be a lot of the players that, that come in and find success, whether it's Kyler in Arizona with Cliff Kingsbury or what Brian Dable has been able to do with Josh Allen in Buffalo. Even if you have apprehensions about players, if they're going to the right fit, the right system and a coaching staff that's able to cater to the strengths and weaknesses, look at what Baltimore did in completely overhauling their offense for Lamar Jackson. Like, the coaching and the infrastructure of the offense matters, mm-hmm. and the coaches that are willing to, to cater it around the strengths and weaknesses of the players are the ones that are going to get the best results out of it versus yeah. think about what Cleveland did last year with Baker Mayfield and what they're doing this year when they brought in Odell Beckham and how the receivers and supporting cast have kind of changed the offensive philosophy in Cleveland and Baker's struggling a lot with turnovers and pressing and trying to make too much happen. Like all that stuff, it's just a lot of layers to quarterbacks. And I like what you did with Frank Wright, Justin Herbert, drawing the parallel to some of the things that they were able to do with Carson Wentz. Um, Wentz probably a little bit better off script than what Justin Herbert is. But as far as the raw tools that they bring to the table, there's a lot that you can, can point to and say, okay, well, if they did this with Carson, they'll be able to do this with Justin Herbert. I'd like this a lot for Herbert too. I think there'd be a great opportunity for him to get into the right spot to really take advantage of what he does, like you just mentioned there. So I think it's it's good for the Colts and it's a good landing spot for Herbert. Yeah. All right. So we've got perhaps the most challenging team right now in uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Bucks. Have Bruce Arians in-house, and Joe, we said at the top of the show, or before we went live, that like low-key, Tampa's going to sneak up and finish 500 here. Yeah. They've had a nice little run going. Um, they're going to have an extremely difficult decision with what to do with Jameis Winston, because uh, Winston continues to... The, the Tampa Bay is sold, not the team, but the media, <laughs> and the local media is sold on this Jameis Winston... Peyton Manning dynamic and I can't what I can't yeah I mean they're they're talking about it's uh, it pops up on my timeline probably twice a day comparing Jameis Winston's stats from his 25 year old season this year to Peyton Manning's stats from his 25 year old season with the Colts and they're like very similar um his interception percentage is the highest it's ever been. Yeah, I know. He's getting worse. You give him more volume, and when you give him more volume, the decision-making is going to be amplified, and he cannot make good decisions with the football. But that's neither here nor there, because I, I don't like any of the value here for Tampa Bay needing a quarterback. I, I look at the quarterbacks that are available and at their disposal, and the one I like best for Tampa Bay is Jacob Eason. Am I going to draft Jacob Eason with the 16th overall pick in the draft? No. That's a no for me, dog. That's no. I'm not going to do that. So then I start asking questions about who else is available, and I look at the positions of need, and, and I know running back's a position of need, but I don't think that's an appealing option maybe they've got the short-term answer there in Dominic Sue and Javon Kinlaw. That makes some sense. There's some parallels in their strengths and weaknesses of players. The offensive tackle run has left us with very little in the way of appealing options other than Alex Leatherwood, and I think that at this point is a massive reach. So Tampa's in a tough spot here at 16. 
And then I look at and I think about a position that they have invested in a whole lot in recent years, the cornerback position. (laughs) And it's still not right. Jamel Dean has shown some promise and far exceeded what my expectations were for him coming into the year. But Jamel Dean, like, didn't play in a full game this year because the game plan called for zone coverage. (laughs) And that, to me, is a big red flag that, like, if you have to take a guy completely off the field because you're going to play zone versus man, don't let good players prevent you from drafting great players. And, you know, they, they swung ambitiously when they drafted the UNC kid. What What's his name? Uh, MJ Stewart. MJ Stewart. And like MJ Stewart, like Tampa fans are ready to kick him off the team. Javon Hargrave got cut or Javon Hargrave. Vernon Hargrave got cut from the team. So I think there's enough turnover and need here that best player available for me is Christian Fulton, the corner from LSU. And I don't love any of their options here. And if I get into that position, I'm going to take the best available player. Yeah. Which in this case is Christian Fulton. So that's the thing, right? Like you probably love to go offensive line, but. Who are you going to pick? Yeah. And I, and I think that that was kind of revealing to me, just kind of working through this right now and seeing the way that these first 16 picks has went. Like, I feel like we went from really thinking the wide receivers are going to go high to thinking that the offensive tackles were going to go high. We had three top 10 offensive tackles and no receivers. And that includes top 10 worthy receivers like Henry Ruggs, CD lamb and Jerry Judy. And I just, I, I think that takes away from the offensive tackle options here for really Tampa and Cleveland at 16 and 17. Yeah. I mean, you can get yeah. Alex Leatherwood, but he ain't worse Thomas or Wills. And that's, that's such a reach based on need that I, yeah. I was not prepared to do just to check the box to appease yeah. Tampa. Like the draft is seven rounds long and free agency still exists. Okay. Like there's going to be other options to address offensive tackle. Well, maybe the Browns will take one at 17 tomorrow. Who knows? We're going to have to come back, find out. So quick recap, Joe Burrow, one to the Bengals, Chase Young, two to the New York Giants, Jedrick Wills, three to the Washington Redskins, Jeff Akuda, four to the Miami Dolphins, Derek Brown, five to the Detroit Lions, Tristan Wirf, six to the Arizona Cardinals, Isaiah Simmons, seven to the Jacksonville Jaguars, A.J. Epinesa, eight to the Atlanta Falcons, Andrew Thomas, nine to the New York Jets, Tua Tunga Viola, 10 to the L.A. Chargers, Jerry Judy, 11 to the Denver Broncos, Grant Delpit, 12 to the Carolina Panthers, C.D. Lamb, 13 to the Philadelphia Eagles, Henry Ruggs, 14 to the Oakland Raiders, Justin Herbert, 15 to the Indianapolis Colts, Christian Fulton, 16 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Joe did odds. I did evens. If you're angry with something, you know who to blame at grinding the tape at the Joe Marino. Thanks as always for listening to the draft dudes podcast. We're going to come back tomorrow and finish with the second half of this December mock draft.